This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for tuning in to Shine On today. We're going to talk about relationships, marriages, and friendships. But really, what we're going to talk about here is great advice for all kinds of relationships. We're going to start with this idea. The 50-50 union is a myth. If you're waiting for things to be 50-50... You're going to wait a really long time. That rarely happens. And one of the things our first guest talks about is the fairness fight that's going on behind the scenes. Often unspoken, everybody is keeping score. I did this and you only did this, right? Man, that's an energy drain. So enter Kaylee Klemp and Nate Klemp. They're married, and they've written the 80-80 marriage, a new model for a happier, stronger relationship. So I want to know who finally said, all right, let's write a book about this. (laughs) What a great question. I think we said, let's write the book. It was (laughs) on a date hike, and we were having an argument. Sounds so ridiculous about who was going to pick our daughter up from the bus when she, you know, finished first grade every day. And there was this moment of, wait a second, there can be a better way than what we've been doing. And we looked around and there wasn't a guide and thought, gosh, should we maybe do that? All right. So where did you start when you needed to uh, find better information? Yeah, absolutely. Well, our starting point was really just where we kind of naturally fell into certain patterns in our marriage, which was this idea of 50-50 fairness. You know, when we got married 15 years ago, we thought to ourselves, We want to be equals, and we want to be in love, and how do you do that? And the answer provided by our culture was, well, just make everything perfectly fair and keep score. And so we did that, and it ended up being just a complete disaster. So really, you know, that was our starting point. We realized this idea of fairness was in some ways the obstacle and not the goal, and that there had to be some better way. So we started then interviewing about 100 people for this book from all walks of life about their marriage. And we pretty soon realized that fairness was a problem for just about every couple. Every couple had their own unique version of this kind of fairness fight running in the background. Oh, my goodness. You're so right. This is it's such a great big aha in any relationship. It's not 50 50. How did you come up with 80 80? So really what we're measuring here is your spirit of contribution to the relationship. And when we recognized that 50-50 wasn't working, and it wasn't working mostly because we couldn't seem to measure very well, that I knew absolutely everything I was doing for us. I knew every dish washed. I knew every load of laundry folded. But when it came to the things that Nate was doing, it's pretty fuzzy. We realized that if instead we shifted our spirit of contribution to be that of striving to contribute 80%. And if both of us reached for that, we could change the feeling in the relationship so that it felt more generous, it felt more appreciative. And that's how we came up with this idea of 
instead of stopping at things that seem fair, can you strive for 80-80? 80-80. I want to know this. Who picked up your daughter from kindergarten? <laughs> well, it's a good question. We actually shifted the entire structure of our life to answer that question because at the time we were both working full time. Kaylee was an executive or is an executive coach, but at the time she was traveling two to three days a week. And our impasse was really caused by asking the question, what's best for me? And for me, what was best was to have Kaylee travel less and pick up our daughter at the bus. And for Kaylee, it was clearly better for me to do it. And so we shifted the question to something more like, what's best for us? And we, in fact, we even named our family, we call it Kajona, so the K-A comes from Kaylee, N-A from me, and J-O from our daughter's name. And we started asking, what's best for Kajona in this situation? And we soon realized that if I went down to 80% time at work, I could still do a lot of the things I loved professionally, but I could also be there for our daughter. And so asking that question was what really led us to a solution that we never would have arrived at the other way. Oh my gosh, I love this. I love this. And it's the spirit of 80%, bringing the spirit of 80%. And and it's less scorekeeping, more whole heart bringing. Um, give me, each of you, the best advice you think is in the book. So I think the best advice is every day do one radical act of contribution. So kind of scan your life and look for one small thing that you can do, could be big, but one small thing that you can do every day as a gift to your partner. This could be turn on the coffee pot because you're the first one up or bring them a cup of coffee in the bathroom as they're getting ready. It could be write a sticky note that says, I love you and leave it on their computer screen. But one radical act of contribution each day. And then I would just follow up with, the complement to contribution is what we think of as appreciation. And they almost work like a call and response in music where, you know, our tendency in marriage and in relationships is to look at our partner and see all the things they're doing wrong. And if that's what we're looking for, you can rest assured that's what we're going to find. But if we switch the lens through which we view our partner and we start looking instead for all the things they're doing right, or all the ways they're contributing. And then when we find that, if we just give them a simple thank you, that practice of appreciation can be totally transformative. So that's another thing you can do just one time a day. We do it each night before we go to bed. We do one appreciation for each other and it's transformative. Wow, and everybody loves appreciation. You know, there's different love languages. People uh, take care of each other in different ways. Some people buy gifts and some people need hugs and, and all of that. But appreciation across the board, I think gives everybody a hit of dopamine. Don't you think? A hundred percent. And I love that you're bringing in Gary Chapman's work with love languages because appreciation is universal and you can double up with some of the things that you know your partner will also appreciate. So give them a hug and an appreciation. Do something kind like fill up their car with gas and an appreciation. I didn't know I was bringing in his work. I didn't know whose work that was. (laughs) We're going to give you credit anyway. What's his name? Gary Chapman, who wrote The Five Languages of Love. Yeah, and he's asking, what's their name? That couple that wrote that 8080 marriage book, that is a pretty cool thing. All right, where do we go from here? Yeah, well, 
I would say the big shift is the shift in mindset. So where most couples are, where we were when we got married, was this attempt to make everything fair, to try to strive for 50-50. And that's become such a pervasive habit for most couples that the next move is to catch yourself when you fall into that trap of fairness. So when you're doing the dishes after a long day and you have these thoughts, my partner doesn't do anything, my partner's a slacker, whatever it is, this is the third night in a row, to just notice and become curious about that thought and see if you can make a shift in that moment to something more like radical (coughs) generosity. And we found that that shift can be just a really powerful shift, not only for you in that moment, it can change your experience, but it can also change your partner's experience and perhaps lead them to do more, including the dishes. My best advice is contribution. Nate's best advice is appreciation. Got it. Double them up. I think you get the uh, the 80-80 super pack. Why not 100-100? I love that question. The reason that we didn't do 100-100 is because we want to make sure that there's still space for you as an individual. That what we heard from some people is that as they strove to do 100 in their relationship, they actually lost their sense of self and their sense of purpose. So the idea is 80 is shared success. 80 is about what's best for us as a family. 80 is about sort of making sure that you're on the same team. And 20 is you're allowed to have individual interests and goals and pursuits to make sure that you still feel like you have a purpose. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. All right, guys, good work. Where do we go for more information? Yeah, you can go to our website, 8080marriage.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram, 8080 Marriage. We also have a free newsletter with tips and strategies that we send out every week. You're going to help a lot of people. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. So you. The 8080 Marriage, Kaylee Klemp and Nate Klemp. Replacing the old 50-50 model. I like that very much. And I did not realize I was quoting David Chapman, but I speak to so many people about so many things. I've heard this concept of the love language, like we all respond to different things so many times. So I'm happy that now I know it comes from David Chapman. And I went on to his website to take the test to find out what my love language is. And the reason why it's so interesting is because you could be giving your loved one little gifts and things like that and they don't want that they really want a back rub or you could be giving them great public displays of affection and they really would prefer something different like words of encouragement or something like that so i went on to the love languages website and i took the test it's fun it just takes a few minutes and here are the different categories for love languages there's words of affirmation acts of service receiving gifts quality time physical touch okay physical touch quality time receiving gifts acts of service words of affirmation anybody want to take a guess what i am 30 percent acts of service if you help me change the sheets on the bed. I'm the happiest girl in the world. Also, uh, next was 27% affirmations, words of affirmation. So 30% on acts of service, help me clean these dishes, and 27% affirmation. Tell me, tell me how you're feeling. And then what else did I have? 17% quality time, and 13% touch, 13% gifts. I have to say, it's right on the money. I don't need gifts. 
I like a good foot rub every now and then. But acts of service, that's how I know you love me. And it works out great, like in my house, because my husband does help me out. He's always thinking, what does Casey need? You want to marry that person that's always thinking, you know, how can I help her out? But my husband is definitely, if he took this quiz, (laughs) his... I guess it would be acts of service for him, too. This man loves to cook for me. 15 pounds right away after we got married. But now, like, during the pandemic, every Sunday night, he's making meatballs. He's making gumbo. He's broiling chicken. And then, like, if he has to go out during the week, he'll say, I got all the food. Look at all the food. You can have meatballs. You can have chicken. You can have gumbo. Like, and when he's cooking, he's cooking like you can see it in his face. Like, I'm taking care of my family. I don't know. I'm really tired of the meatballs, I just want to say. You know, a year of meatballs every week? Yes. You can even get tired of meatballs. All right, so the Klemps, Kaylee and Nate, and their book is The 80-80 Marriage. Good stuff. Now we're going to move on to friendships because I was introduced this week to the adorable Jen Bain. She and her bestie, Trin Garitano, have a book and a podcast about friendship. It's called Friend Shipping. All right, Jen, you're solo today. Where's Trin? <laughs> but it's okay. We have, a, we have a lot of radio shows to do today, so it made more sense to split it up. Okay. How did you guys meet? Oh, yeah, we met because uh, we shared a workspace many years ago, um, and we became instant friends. It was one of those lightning strike moments where as soon as we started talking, we became friends, and I feel very, very lucky to still be her friend many years later. Wow. And when did you get together and say, let's make a podcast, let's make a book all about friendshipping? Oh, yeah, it was a total small idea. We had no idea it would turn into the show that we're doing five years later. We had no idea it would turn into a book. All we knew is that we really liked discussing over coffee, uh, friendship and mental health. And then one day we kind of thought, you know, it would be fun to do this in front of a microphone. Do you want to try making a podcast? And we did it really as an experiment. And here we are about seven years later with uh, with a show and a book. Why did you like to discuss friendship and mental health? Friendship is such an important part of my life. That's why. I uh, I have a very small family, so I don't have a ton of relatives. I don't have a ton of cousins or aunts. Uh, So I kind of feel like I've built up my life uh, with friendship. What's so special about friendship is that those are the people that you can choose to have in your life. You don't really get to choose your boss or your coworkers or your relatives, but you do get to choose who you spend your free time with. Right. You know, I I really, I can relate to that so much. I had so many cousins as a kid. I didn't need any friends. You know, exactly. Those are your people. I had had cousins all around me and they lived so close by, you know, friendship. Like I didn't know how to make a friend. So tell me what makes a good friend. Oh, I think it really depends on the individual. But speaking broadly, uh, a good friend is someone that you can share your life with. They are accepting. Uh, Friendship can be joy and comfort and protection. Uh, A friendship is someone, a friend is someone that you invite into your life and share your life with. Right. How much maintenance should these friends require? You know, I think friendships do require a little bit of work. They do require texting back. They do require you initiating hangouts or phone calls. But I think friendships can withstand uh, bumps in the road. We all bring our baggage to friendships. We all bring um, our other life responsibilities, and we all bring our own patterns and habits. But I think 
friendship requires a little bit of maintenance, but it shouldn't require too much hard work. You know, these are your friends. Right. Did you ever meet people who didn't like their friends? Yes. I didn't like my friends when I was about 20 years old. (laughs) And then what did you do? You know, I was fortunate in that I graduated college and I got to easily leave and drift and leave behind a group, some groups of people that maybe weren't super good for me just because of the way they gossiped and the way um, that kind of affected me. I didn't particularly like my own behavior around them, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I I had lucky when I graduated that there was a very easy way to leave those people behind. And it's not so easy if you maybe work with those people or see those people every day still to leave people like that behind. Help us out. We're talking about friendshipping, the book, the podcast. Uh, What do we do if we feel, gosh, this just happened to me yesterday. Somebody said to me, my friend is making a huge mistake How do I help her? What do I say? What do you do when your friend is, you can see them, like, doing the wrong thing? This is so tricky, isn't it? Because on one hand, your friends are allowed to make mistakes. They are allowed to do things you wouldn't do. They are allowed to do things you don't even agree with. That said, um, it may be worth speaking up and sharing what you think if your friend is about to make a mistake that maybe blows up their life or there brings them a ton of heartbreak or financial ruin. And you, you, might, you can share your opinion. You can say it maybe just once. You can say, I think you're making a tremendous mistake. And just make sure you're speaking from a place of love. Make sure you're on their team. Make sure you're on their team. Friends are allowed to do things you disagree with? Yeah, um, in a small way. You know, they, we're not talking about the big stuff. We're not talking about the, the, big, the big life decisions that hurt other people. We're talking about... Uh, my friend has pineapple on their pizza, and I think that's disgusting. But you know what? It'll be okay. Our friendship can survive this. Right. My gosh, you sound like such a great friend. Oh, thank you. It's only because I've, if I sound like that, it's only because I've made many mistakes in friendships over the years. Tell me about those. You know, one thing I've learned through my years of trying to be a better friend is that communication is the key to any relationship. If you wish your friend would call you more often or... If you want to hear from a friend and they're not getting back to you, you do have to speak up. Even your best friends can't read your mind. No one can read your mind. And you can be kind about it, but you can also say what you need. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people, including myself. That's Jen Bain. She is a comedy writer, editor, and co-host of the Friendshipping podcast, along with Trin Garitano. And they now have Friendshipping, the book. So communication is key to the friendship. And friendships take work. But I always think, like, not too much work. You know, some things should be easy. So I went searching around and I found a revealing article in Psychology Today. It's a quick read. I'm just going to share it with you. Have you ever noticed how it's much easier to be yourself around your friends as opposed to your family or spouse? Right? Like you can really be yourself with your friends. It goes on, in some ways this is strange, as friendships are usually considered more casual relationships than marriage or family. Shouldn't it be the case that the more committed and serious the relationship is, the more you can reveal your true self? Psychology Today says, not necessarily. Friendships are incredibly important. They provide emotional support, social integration, and opportunities for fun and play. Friendship has a unique aspect that makes it especially good for honest, natural interaction. Friends don't see their destinies as intertwined with your own. In other words, it's the fact that we're less wrapped up in our friends, and our friends are less wrapped up in us, 
that allows for honest and easy discourse. A friend doesn't see her identity as dependent on the choices you make. Even a best friend knows that you're two different people with two different paths in life. She doesn't feel like her future is based on what you do today, allowing you to be fully present in the moment. Let's look at this compared to romantic relationships. We know that married couples almost always see their destinies as intertwined. Typically speaking, where one spouse wants to live in the future inherently affects where the other person will live. One spouse wanting or not wanting to have children in the future affects the other person. Intertwined destinies, in some way, is the whole point of marriage. So, this friendship article in Psychology Today says... Even in casual dating relationships, it's already harder to be completely yourself with a boyfriend or girlfriend than it is with a friend. This is because there's always the potential to intertwine your destinies. You may at some point want to combine your life paths. And this possibility often lends itself to less easy interactions. No one ever prompts a friend to define the relationship or no friend ever asks, where is this going, right? When it comes to family, There tend to be a lot of expectations that simply don't exist or don't exist nearly as intensely with friendships. Your family may expect you to do well in life simply to reflect well upon them. By contract, what you do with your life does not reflect upon your friends in the same way it would reflect upon your family. Your friends don't brag they have a doctor for a friend the way your mom might brag she has a doctor for a son or daughter. I added that. Friends don't see you as their legacy the way your parents would. So how does all this translate into being able to be more yourself around friends? Because friends don't see your destiny as intertwined with their own. They don't feel any need to change you, control you, or make you someone worthy of wrapping their identity up in. Friends allow for freedom. Even as the relationship gets closer and closer, freedom is the beauty of friendships. Friendship is freedom and closeness perfectly married. Isn't that nice? Friendship is freedom and closeness, perfectly married. So I found this article. It was written by Kira Asatryan. Kira Asatryan. In Psychology Today, it's called The Secret to Friendship Revealed, Why It's Often Easier Being Around Friends Than Family or Spouses. I like that. Our destinies aren't intertwined, so we can just be chill. I hope our destinies bring us together again. You're invited to join me Sundays at 11 for a free Zoom call. You can get the information and the link at casey.co, K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. This Sunday at 11 on the call, it's Priscilla Kerasi. Priscilla, she's the most normal friend I have. And she's also a psychic medium. She's speaking to the other side all the time. There is not one ounce of woo-woo in this woman, but somehow they found her. And what she's going to talk about Sunday at 11 is our ability to interact with the other side, what some messages mean. If you get lights flickering or dimes dropping or any of those things, that's what we're going to discuss Sunday at 11 with Priscilla Kerasi, Casey.co for more. A little bit of good news. The pantry is up and running in its new location. And we also are opening the Let It Shine Again Thrift Boutique. That was a dream when we launched the foundation a year ago, is that we'd have a series of pop-up thrift shops called Let It Shine Again or Lisa. And uh, we would sell, you know, some vintage stuff. But COVID took the pop out of our pop shops. But now we have a beautiful location to do that in northern Westchester in the hamlet of Verplank. Lisa, let it shine again. So if you've got some vintage stuff you want to donate, call me. And you can always reach out at Casey.co. All right, it's time for our thought for the day, thinking about relationships and friendships. 
what you give and what you want to receive. You've heard this quote before. It's from Maya Angelou, who said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260 and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.